athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. Yeah, but I told you the truth. I can't just be with you on only you. Yeah, I got one Virgil, got one in that You're locked into the Dopey Show on radio. This is Box to Row. I am your host, Donald Ware. Got a good show lined up for you today here on the program. So much to really get to on today's program. Baylor wins the national championship in a blowout. Was this the last hurrah, if you will, for Gonzaga in terms of winning a national championship? Played in a previous national championship game, lost to North Carolina, who's in the news, who we're going to talk about momentarily as well. I think so. Like, I think if you're Gonzaga, you've gone undefeated all season. You've got to be able to close this thing out. I get it. Baylor's had a good team. Baylor has definitely been either the top team or the second best team in the country this year. I don't think there's any question about that. But if you're Baylor, this is the perfect storm. You, the Blue Bloods, for the in, for the most part, are down this year. It's COVID. Uh, listen, anything can happen with COVID. We've seen anything happen. We've seen games canceled. We've seen games postponed. Gonzaga has been able to, for the most part, be above the fray. So if you're Gonzaga and you have the team that Gonzaga has, you got to finish the deal. I realize, and I get it, Baylor had as many pro guys on the court as Gonzaga did, Baylor blew Gonzaga away. Man, there was a a, a a big lead by Baylor early on. Gonzaga able to close the gap to 10 at halftime, and then Baylor was able to come right out and do what Baylor did. Again, if you're Gonzaga, you got to be able, you got to be able to win the tournament, and this would have been the year for Gonzaga to win it. You look at the first time to me, you look at the first time uh, that Gonzaga was able to win that tournament or not, excuse me, go to the tournament, lost to UNC. Uh, and, you know, they didn't really have a, a big chance to win. If, if memory serves me correctly, it wasn't the, like, it wasn't the greatest UNC team in terms of talent, but in terms of a team, it was, if you, and then when I say talent, I mean guys that, would have gone on to have big careers in the NBA. But from a team perspective, it was really good. If my memory serves me correctly, UNC definitely was the favorite. So you're Gonzaga. Hey, you, if you don't get it, you know, that it, it could be your only opportunity to get there. Uh, right. Gonzaga more than a mid-major program at this point, but still you may not get back, but you gave it your all. Now that you get back and we're in the dynamic of COVID, Man, you got to close that out, and I'm not sure. I mean, I know they've got, what, a five-star recruit coming in. Some of the guys are going to be coming back from this year's team, going to be coming back uh, next year. But, Ken, with with 
presumably being out of the COVID situation. And and what's interesting to me, that's why I don't fool with odds and what Vegas says and all. I don't fool with that. But it was the odds after the loss already stated that Gonzaga had the best odds to win the national championship next year. No, 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 they don't. Gonzaga does not have the best chance to win the national championship next year. Your thoughts? Was this Gonzaga, is the window closing for Gonzaga? Was this Gonzaga's opportunity to win the national championship? Hit us up via Twitter at box to row B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Got some more to get to. I mentioned UNC. UNC, we talked about Roy Williams retiring last week. UNC hired its former player, former NBA player, Hubert Davis, as its new head men's basketball coach. On the surface, it's a good hire. You're talking about a guy that, yeah, he doesn't have any college experience, head coaching college experience in terms of, so he was the JV coach at UNC. He was the head JV coach at UNC, and then, of course, on the staff of Roy Williams. So, I mean, he 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 has, he doesn't have the major college basketball coaching experience, but he's got co- head coaching experience. So that's a good thing. He's a UNC guy. Uh, he's got the experience in terms of, of being an assistant coach. And then he's also got the experience in terms of the basketball knowledge, NBA player, excellent in ESPN analyst, excellent basketball analyst. Like Hubert Davis was the man. So when he took the job, when he decided he wanted to get back, I mean, and I don't, you know, whatever anybody wants to do is cool. I just was wondering at the time when he decided to go to UNC, I was just wondering, do you really want to, you, you got a nice job in terms of, you know, you're talking basketball. You're really good at it. Do you really want to go into coaching? But turned out to be a good move because I think when that move was made years ago, seven, eight years ago, however much it was, when he made that move, the ultimate move was going to be Hubert Davis as the head men's basketball coach at UNC, provided that uh, Roy Williams, which we knew he was still going to be successful. He was. I think even after that point, one would at least a national championship, if not a couple, since the hiring of Hubert Davis. Uh, so, and again, that JV experience as the head coach, I mean, it, it, it means something, right? It, it does mean something. But this is what I would say. I definitely like the hire. But if you look at this UNC basketball program from a coach's perspective, so you look at Maybe some there may have been some success before Frank McGuire, but Frank McGuire won a national championship. That was in '57. Then Dean Smith coached for I mean what I mean 30s almost 40 years was the head coach at UNC. So Dean Smith was able to do big things and ultimately win uh, a couple of national three a couple of three national championships. At UNC, then Bill Guthridge, his longtime assistant, takes over, has a lot of success. Uh, early, I thought a lot of success early on. Three years uh, retires. Then Matt Doherty comes in. That just didn't work out well uh, at all. Then you bring in a guy like a Roy Williams. So in between Dean Smith and Roy Williams, you had Bill Guthridge, who had been previously an assistant coach, 
uh, right, for many, many years. You bring in Matt Doherty, who had been a player at Carolina, and Carolina just didn't have – I mean, you know, again, I thought Bill Guthridge had some success, but, you know, final four appearances and all that, but not a national championship. You bring in a Roy Williams, right? Roy Williams is already an excellent coach, established coach, talked about this last week. We can talk about – you can talk about the lack of national championships – at Kansas all you want. When you talk about was did Roy Williams do an excellent job at Kansas, he did. The only thing he didn't do was win the national championship. He had like an 82% winning percentage. A lot of people forget, yeah, three national championships at Carolina, but at Kansas did an absolutely phenomenal job, coached some absolutely great players at Kansas as well. So you're bringing in an experienced guy, right, Sort of along, you know, uh, Dean Smith disciple, right? Uh, you know, for many, many years before he went on to have the success at Kansas. Remember, that he had head coaching experience. Now you're going back to the well at Carolina. You're bringing in a Carolina guy, which is cool. The only thing I would say is I want to see what ultimately happens with Hubert Davis as the head coach. It's a good hire on the surface, no doubt about it. It's the right hire. Like, I, I mean, you know, it's the right hire. Assistant coach, JV coach, Carolina great, good assistant coach, knowledge of the game, former NBA player, not only just an NBA player, an NBA player with the Knicks. He's got all the, he's got everything you would want, should be able to go out and recruit. All of those things, you know, knows how to recruit. He's been part of this recruiting process under Roy Williams, winning national championships. It's a good hire. I want to see how ultimately it works out because it's not the same as Carolina hiring Roy Williams after Matt Doherty. We'll see ultimately how it plays out. So some other things to get to today here on the program. I want to talk Major League Baseball and Major League Baseball's marketing to the black community. So, great. Major League Baseball decided to opt out of playing its all-star game in Atlanta this year because of the voting the, 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 the voting suppression that is happening, that is signed into law, actually, in essence, in the state of Georgia. Great for Major League Baseball. That's good. Okay? Fine. Major League Baseball, as far as I'm concerned, inserting itself into something that really, if we really thought about it, would we have made that big a deal about it if the All-Star game had remained in Major League Baseball? My argument would be no. If it had been the NBA or the National Football League, maybe so. But the question becomes, because Major League Baseball continues to have this paltry record in terms of black players in the game last year I hadn't seen the numbers this year last year opening day rosters eight percent it's hovered right around eight percent for several years how is major league baseball marketing itself to the black community to me the answer to that question is it's not marketing itself to the black community playing hip-hop music during a major league baseball promo does not constitute marketing to the black community. So you can insert yourself if you're Major League Baseball all you want into 
into this situation with the voting and all of that, it's a, I'm not buying it. You got a bigger issue. And the bigger issue is how do you get more black players in Major League Baseball as black players once were in Major League Baseball? And the reason that it's not that way is because of the lack of marketing by Major League Baseball to the black community. We can hit on that subject because we got a lot to get to today on the program. The National Football League draft is a couple of weeks away. Brian Mills, former North Carolina Central cornerback, going to join us on the program. Also, big game Alabama A&M and Jackson State. Bulldogs head football coach Connell Maynard still to come. And much more as From the Press Box to Press Row rolls on. Hey, travelers, do you want to save money on your next flight? Then pick up the phone and call. That's right, call, because the best prices are not online. They're with SmartFares. See, SmartFares has special deals with the airlines. When they have unsold seats, they use SmartFares to fill them. So you get airline tickets at ridiculously low prices. Our prices are too low to publish online. With the extra money you'll save, you can book another trip or treat yourself to dinner or shopping. So stop searching all of those travel sites to find the lowest price on your next flight. Let one of our SmartFares expert travel agents find ridiculously low prices for you. Call SmartFares today and get the best price on your next flight. Guaranteed. Also, save up to 50% off business and first-class tickets. 800-603-6298. 800-603-6298. That's 800-603-6298. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row. Box to Row. Box to Row. Box to Row. couple of moments going to be joined by Brian Mills former cornerback for the North Carolina Central Eagles hoping to hear his name called in the National Football League draft in a couple of weeks I've got some disturbing news I, I think disturbing is probably the best way to put it so I get a press release on Wednesday from the MEAC that says it, it the press release actually uh, reads MEAC NCAA FCS playoffs update so I'm thinking okay well what could this be about turns out that the MEAC still had its automatic qualifier even with the three schools but that automatic qualifier was nullified because of DC's COVID restrictions okay in essence and because Howard and South Carolina State couldn't play that means that ultimately uh, the uh, the automatic qualifier was taken away or the, the MIAC could not get an automatic qualifier now to the FCS playoffs. How ridiculous is that? That is so ridiculous. It's, I, 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 I got to get to Brian. Brian is, is on the line. So we'll talk about this a little bit more later on. Let's keep things going here on Box to Row, of course, during this time of the year. We talk with some of the top players who have an opportunity to hear their names called in the NFL 
draft. First up is a young man from North Carolina Central. As a matter of fact, was a box-to-row All-American back in 2019 and was invited to the Reese's Senior Bowl. Had his pro day, uh, as a matter of fact, last week over at NC State. We'll talk a little bit more about that. He is Brian Mills. Joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Brian, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Solid pro day for you. But I want to start here. Uh, Obviously, 2020 didn't go like anyone wanted to go. You had a very, very good uh, 2019. Um, Ultimately, what led you to the decision to decide to enter your name into the National Football League draft for 2021? Uh, Really, I felt like it was the perfect time for me to leave. You know, my goal was to be in the 2021 draft since I started playing uh, football, you know, I counted it out. And um, everything just aligned perfectly. I got an invite to the Senior Bowl. Um, I had a great 2019 season. I had a great pro day. So, uh, really, everything just played out well, perfectly. No no question about that. Um, so, tell us, what's, what's sort of the journey been like? Like, you haven't played football. You've been to some, you know, pro day and Reese's Senior Bowl and all the things that – uh, sort of those combines offer, but in essence, you haven't played football since November of 2019. So, kind of take us through your trek in terms of, you know, your your processes in terms of working out and so forth to prepare yourself for the National Football League draft. Uh, well, I've been working out with Russell Dudley at Top Notch Performance, and out, it's out here in Durham, North Carolina. Actually, you know, he's been getting me in shape. You know, intense workouts two times a day, six times a week. Uh, you know, still maintaining my weight, actually putting on weight right now to get a little bit bigger. Uh, my goal is to be 190, but uh, that comes with strength, too, when you're a little bigger. You're still faster, uh, still going to DB coaches, uh, working out my hips, you know, be more fluent in my technique, you know, and just keep studying the game of football, you know. That's how I'm uh, staying in the mix and being a better player. Yeah, I mean, how do you how do you simulate – I mean, how are you able to simulate the game? Like, that? that's – you know, that's going to be a lot of time off uh, from the last time you actually played in a game until perhaps even training camp, yet alone preseason, making a roster, et cetera. How, how have you been able to kind of simulate the contact that goes along with the game of football? Really? You can't really, like, simulate it. Uh, you just got to, when times come, you got to be prepared mentally. Everything is mental as in a day. When I went to the senior ball, uh, I was sudden around. You know, uh, the first few minutes, I, I fell back into my groove. You know, you knock those butterflies off and you get back into it. You go hard every play. So, really, you can't really, like, simulate it when you're outside of football. You just have to be ready mentally when you get there. That's how you get stronger and you put on weight. That's the voice of Brian Mills, hoping to hear his name called in this year's National Football League draft. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press World. Very curious to know how one uh, ends up of uh, f- coming from Cali and playing uh, at a JUCO or couple uh, in Cali, coming all the way across country to play at North Carolina Central. How did you ultimately end up with the Eagles? They picked me. You know, they're my only offer. Um, and that's the only school I had. So uh, I just ran with it, really, and that's how I ended up where I'm at today. Man, it all worked out for me. Yeah, no, it's it's been it's been a beautiful thing, no question about that. You know, one of the things that I I, I sort of get perturbed uh, by this a little bit, and I want to kind of get your thoughts. Si, uh, yes, I did a piece on you talking about 
you know, the opportunity that you may have and some of the traits, both from a positive and a negative standpoint. But one of the negatives that they said doesn't play against uh, great talent. And I, I, you know, I look at guys like I look at a guy like Xavier Smith and Dontrez, uh, Demontrez Burroughs, who you have to go up uh, against, a guy like an Elijah Bell, Jimmy Robinson. You know, you got to go up against Jawan Carter uh, as a quarterback, Ryan Stanley. You got to try to bring down Jamaine Martin, who is a pro football player. Does that perturb you when you, when you sort of hear those kind of things, knowing that you've played against some really good football players? Um, no, not really. I don't really be focused on other players. To be honest, you know, I work on myself, you know, elevating myself. I just stay in my own little bubble, what I need to work on. Like, names don't really change who I am, doesn't change my perspective, you know. I got goals that have nothing to do with them. So, they're good players at the end of the day, but I really don't be paying attention to them like that. Sure. No, understood. But, I mean, you feel like you're playing against some good competition, though, right? Right, right, yeah. I'm always playing a great, uh, great competition, you know, and it always gets better, you know, coming closer to the league. So talent's going to be, you know, great, you know, a lot of competition. That, of course, Brian Mills joins us here on the program, hoping to hear his name called in the National Football League draft. So have you been able to sort of talk with any of the teams? I'm sure, I'm sure you had some conversations maybe with some as it release, uh, relates at least to the Reese's uh, Senior Bowl, what what have some of the teams been saying to you? Um, you know, they really like my physical attributes. You know, they like the player, the player I am. Uh, they like I, the character at the end of the day, too, because you can find talent anywhere, but sometimes you can't find character always everywhere. So, like, that's a player I'm coachable. You know, I'm laid back. I don't get in trouble, but I have a lot of potential they can work with. You know, I'm a big corner, and they they like that. They want to work with that. Yeah, what are some of the things you feel like you still, you know, we got a couple of weeks before the draft, but that you, you know, still need to, well, you know, you got a couple of weeks before the draft, but I know you're always working to get better anyway. So what are some of the things you're looking to improve upon? You know, um, my technique, you know, being more fluid, you know, my twitch muscle. I mean, just knowledge of the game, you know, I don't have any more school to interfere, so I really get in my playbook more and know everybody's position. So, I could make plays on the ball. That's how you the game speed is much faster because everybody knows their job now. They're they're uh, really bought in. So that's why I want to get more bought into football. Yeah, no question about it. What do you think that that day is is going to be like uh, when you hear your name called? Where do you plan to be, sort of, when the the National Football League draft is going on? I'm gonna be. At home in California, you know, I'm going to be overwhelmed with joy. I might jump in the pool, actually. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I, I thought about it. You know, um, I'm just be with my grandparents, my sisters, and some close friends. And, you know, just enjoy, you know, everybody watch me uh, through this long journey. And, you know, it's all paying off when I get drafted. Yeah. How, April. Yeah, how so, – yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was about to say just later April. Sorry. You go. Yeah, no, that's okay. How, your family, everybody, everybody good back at home? Yes, sir. Everybody's great, actually, you know, you know, living life, you know, um, sitting out the way. Nobody has been sick. You know, life still continues for them, and they're just happy for me. Everybody's just happy for me right now. Yeah. Lastly for you, how has – how is – I don't know. How has COVID-19 maybe affected you or, or maybe even 
you know, made you better in, in, in some aspect. Obviously, you didn't have the 2020 season, but you're a star on the rise. No question. A lot of people talking about you. I mean, how has it, a, you know, how has COVID-19 affected you, perhaps in a positive way, in a, in a more positive way? Yeah, I'll say in a more positive way, it gave me the ability to uh, just catch up with my family. I was able to spend a little bit more time at home because I never see them when I'm at school. You know, I'm away from California all the time, so I get to go home twice a month, uh, twice, like, throughout the year I was in school. So this time I just be able to spend more time with them. Um, I was able to relax. And um, I kind of, like, slow down a little and just enjoy it. Brian Mills again. Oh, sorry, sorry. No, no, that's okay. Brian Mills again, a, a former box to row All American back in 2019, hoping to hear his name called in the National Football League draft cornerback for North Carolina Central. Joins us here on from the press box to press row. Brian, really appreciate the time. Continued success in all you do. Yes, sir. Thank you, Brian Mills. Hoping to hear his name called in the National Football League draft in a couple of weeks of North Carolina Central joining us here on the program. And big shots out to North Carolina State and schools like North Carolina State in this respect. You've got some schools that will allow for local players, players that either play at schools in the area or are from the hometown, right, to be able to go out to the pro days and and be able to perform in front of scouts at the pro days, uh, North Carolina Central. I don't know if I don't know if NCCU was having a pro day specifically, but it, uh, obviously Brian Mills was able to get with North Carolina State and participate in North Carolina State pro days, uh, pro day. Lot of lot of potential NFL guys uh, over at North Carolina State, and it's something that North Carolina State uh, has done for quite some time. They do it for the schools. Uh, in the area, I remember being at the pro day like back in 2010. Brandon Banks played collegiately at Kansas State. He didn't get drafted, but ultimately the then Washington Redskins signed him. Became a pretty good punt returner, pretty good kick returner for the the Washington football team now as we know it. And a couple of a couple of Shaw and St. Augs guys. We're part of that pro day as well. So big shots out to North Carolina State for allowing uh, Brian Mills to participate in the pro day. Up next here on From the Press Box to Press Row, we're going to talk with Alabama A&M head football coach Connell Maynard. This is your weekly edition of the Box to Row Blitz. I'm Donald Ware. First, I'm going to take you to Edabena, Mississippi, for the game as Mississippi Valley State was hosting Arkansas Pine Bluff at halftime. The Golden Lions led 17-3, but early in the third quarter, Mississippi Valley State would strike on a Caleb Johnson four-yard touchdown run to pull the Delta Devils to within 17-10. But... MVSU wasn't done. First and 10 Valley from midfield. Up the middle, big run, and Johnson will score for Valley. 50-yard touchdown run with 7.55 remaining, and we are an extra point away from a tie ball game. Johnson going back-to-back, the extra point was good, and Valley indeed tied the game at 17 apiece. Now, we're going to move to just under two minutes remaining in the fourth quarter with the score still tied 
at 17. And Arkansas Pine Bluff receiving the punt. Ralph on the hop from about the 23. Running right, trying to get outside. Across the 30, 35, 40. Has some blockers. Across midfield. Down the far sideline. 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Tyron Ralph. That was Dwayne Lewis on the UAPB Sports Network. Ralph for 77 yards proved to be the game winner as Arkansas Pine Bluff moved to 3-0 with the 24-17 victory over Mississippi Valley State. The Delta Devils dropped to 0-2 for the season. Tyron Ralph named the Box to Row National Player of the Week. Now, let me take you to Jackson, Mississippi for the Box to Row National Game of the Week between Jackson State and Southern. First and 10 now for the Tigers at their own 25, trying to capitalize on the interception. Jones with the snap, rolling right, fires downfield, caught by Baldwin. He's across midfield. Dalen at the 30, 20, 10, 5, touchdown Jackson State. Dalen Baldwin with a great one-handed catch to get Jackson State back in the ballgame on one big play. 75 yards pulled the Tigers to within 10-7. We fast forward now with the Jaguars still leading 10-7 and possessing the football with eight seconds remaining in the first half. This is the fifth play of the drive that started back near midfield. Lampley back in the shotgun at the Jackson State 20. Takes a snap, fires across the middle. Corey Williams makes the catch. He's inside the 10, slips a tackle, and takes it in for the touchdown. The Jaguars extend to a 16-7 lead, pending the outcome of the point at. 17-7 Jaguars at halftime. Jaguars would get a field goal to extend the lead to 20-7 in the third quarter. Then, with 4-21 remaining in the third, the Jaguars put the game away. Southern looking to blow this open now as they lead it 20-7 here in the third. Ninth play of the drive that started back at the seven. Skelton in the shotgun from the Jackson State 20. The give is to Ben. He finds a hole off the right side and he goes all the way in untouched for the touchdown. 16 straight points for the Jaguars to extend the lead to 26-7. That was my man Rob J on the JSU Sports Network. Ben's 20-yard run put Southern ahead 27-7. The Jaguars would go on to defeat Jackson State 34-14. In the HBCU football polls, both the coaches and the media polls, Alabama A&M remains number one. Scores from week seven in HBCU football, Langston defeated Wayland Baptist 38-17. Tennessee State fell to Tennessee Tech 24-10. And South Carolina State defeated Alabama State 14-7. Looking at week eight, West Virginia State on the road at Charleston. Langston hosts Ottawa. Alabama State hosts Mississippi Valley State at Jackson State hosting Alabama A&M. Fort Valley State going to be on the road taking on Erskine. Delaware State is hosting Delaware and Tennessee State hosts Southeast Missouri. On this week's edition of From the Press Box to Press Row, we're going to be joined by Alabama A&M head football coach Connell Mayner and National Football League draft hopeful from North Carolina Central, Brian Mills. From the Press Box to Press Row, the radio show airs weekly on radio stations across the country as well as on Sirius XM. To listen to the show or for more information, log on to box2row.com.
If you think the game last week between Jackson State and Southern was big, another big-time game this Saturday on ESPN, the Alabama A&M Bulldogs just 1-0 on the season but ranked number one in the HBCU football coaches and media polls in his third season as the head football coach at Alabama A&M is Connell Maynard, who joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. The Bulldogs going to be in action in Jackson, Mississippi, taking on Jackson State. What's going on, Coach Maynard? Not much, man. Uh, trying to get ready to play a football game. You know, last couple of weeks we get to this point and, and we get a call saying they can't play because of COVID. So we just keeping our fingers crossed and uh, – Hoping that we get a chance to play this weekend. Yeah, it's been, what, four weeks since you've played? I mean, the only game you got to play was the game that came together at the last minute against South Carolina State, one in which they come to you. You beat them uh, 31-7. to What has that been like? Has that been more frustrating, not being able to play, or do you see it as an opportunity to kind of work on uh, some things, to prepare for whatever the next game may be? Too much time to work on stuff, Donald. You know, uh, I think that uh, we practice to play the games, and uh, everybody else is playing. And uh, then come to us for whatever reason, just a lot of bad luck, and uh, you know they seem to opt out against us. But you know we only had one game at game speed, and uh, my starters really only played three quarters in that game, uh, and maybe one more series, and then we got some other guys in there. So. Uh, we just don't have the game speed reps. Uh, you know, Jackson is going into game six. They got five games under their belt. So they got game speed. Uh, they know they they pros and cons, what they can do, what they can't do. Uh, we don't really know that because we only had one game and one opponent. Uh, so uh, we got a little bit of advantage. We got a little bit more film on them guys than they got on us. They got one game, and, of course, they go to last year. Uh, but they got game reps, game speed on us. So, uh, we'll see what happens. We're going to go out and play hard and and uh, try to take care of the football and, and see what happens Saturday. Yeah, and it, what's interesting is, I mean, you go, you know, your first game was supposed to be maybe the HBCU game of the year against Alcorn State, and ultimately that one uh, did not happen as uh, Alcorn State opted out of the season. So what are some, like, what is the preparation like? Like, how? what do you, what have you been working on in these, you know, in these four, in these four weeks or so? You, do you treat it like well, spring practice? No, no, you can't treat it like spring practice. You have to treat it like an open week. And, you know, to be honest with you, if we knew at the beginning of the week, you know, I could set a schedule. But, like, uh, like the Grambling week, you know, we'd already practiced. It was about this time, Wednesday afternoon, 6 o'clock, that I got the call from my AD that uh, Grambling wasn't going to be able to play. So I had already practiced two days, Tuesday and Wednesday. So, of course, I gave them Thursday and Friday off. We came back and did a little something Saturday, and then Sunday we do our normal Sunday. We'll go lift, lift some weights and watch some tape, and they off Monday. Monday's their off day anyway. So then we're back in the game week basically on Sunday. So uh, that's kind of what we've been doing, you know, practice two days off, two days, practice off uh, in all these open weeks. And uh, we'll, we'll probably hit one of those days and, and go helmet shoulder pass the other days. And, uh, you know, guys just – you know, tired of hitting each other and, and want to hit somebody else and opportunity to play games because, you know, you practice all week anticipation of playing a game on Saturday, and we haven't been able to do that but one time. So uh, the guys just anxious and ready to play, and then we've got a great opportunity this week playing a good uh, Jackson State uh, team and playing at their place. I think it's homecoming. 
on national TV. So we're just very excited, not only to play, but the atmosphere to get another game in on the road, a homecoming event, an ESPN game. Um, a lot of positives. Yeah. So what did you take away? I mean, obviously your your first and only game was back on March 6th against South Carolina State. Again, a home win, 31-7 to over South Carolina State. What did you take away from that football game? Uh, we got to a slow start, Donald. You know, it's been over 400 days since we played a football game. It was on the road. Uh, it was the first game, uh, a tough opponent in a, in a good environment. Uh, Buddy Pugh always have his teams ready to play, always got a good team, always win seven, eight, nine games every year. So we knew it was going to be a tough battle. And uh, we didn't come out and play very good uh, offensively the first quarter or, or halfway through the second quarter. But the defense played great and kept us in the game and, and kept them scoreless. And then we, we made a play and got a, uh, a turnover, I think, on the – on the kickoff and, and got another score right before half. So we got two scores before the half, kind of got us rolling there. And then the third quarter, we executed well. And, uh, of course, fourth quarter, we let the starters play one more series, and then we put the backups in. So, um, you know, overall, defensively, we, we look good. We look good. But it's only one game. Offensively, we look good, but we struggled coming out. And we got kind of say, you know, we ain't played in 400 days. Offensively, everybody has to be on the same page and got to have that timing down where the defense can get going a little bit faster. You know, early in camp, the defense normally is ahead of the offense because the offense don't have all his plays in and, and the chemistry and all of this. So we're going to bank it on that. And But, you know, I, we had a lot of positives and we had some negatives and we, we worked on those things and had a lot of time to work on those things down a whole month. So hopefully we'll, we'll get off to a faster start. Uh, but we don't know because we haven't had but one game of game speed. So uh, we'll show up and play hard. Yeah. That's the voice of Connell Maynard, his third season as the head football coach at Alabama A&M. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. What do you make of the performance? And I know when we had you on the podcast, I mean, Aquil Glass coming into this one, one of the top 25 NFL prospects in the country. You said he's got a long way to go before we can even talk about uh, National Football League. But in the game, he completed uh, about 46% of his passes, 272 yards, four touchdowns and three interceptions in the game. What did you make of his performance in that football game? Um, it was it was, um, it was, was okay game, Donald. It, uh, you know, a, a lot of quarterbacks have stats like that, and, and to me, they wasn't they weren't good enough. You know, you, you need to be about 60%, and uh, you don't need to throw interceptions. You don't need to turn the ball over, throw the ball to the other team. We did that four times, and you say 40-something percent, you know, that's not good enough. And so – for him and, and our standards, what we're looking for and what he's looking for, that wasn't good enough. And uh, his start was way – was not good enough uh, to be a pro prospect and to be uh, in his third season in this offense, knowing exactly what he's doing. Uh, he didn't play very good in that first first half. He played a little better in, in the third quarter, a lot better in the third quarter. And uh, we're going to chalk it up to, like I said, you know, just not playing a 400 days. But it wasn't up to his standards. Connell Maynard, the head football coach at Alabama A&M, joins us here on the program. The Bulldogs and Jackson State going to get together on Saturday in Jackson, Mississippi. It's an ESPN televised game. Is, is This is a big-time football game, okay, and, and, you know, for so many different reasons. Uh, but, I mean, your guys, are, your guys, a lot of your guys, Glass, uh, Holloway, Ibrahim as a freshman last year, a lot of other guys – 
are used to this kind of football game, right? Because they played, you know, in that that big game uh, that you all play against Alabama State every year. So they're used to this, to, to sort of the big stage. Yeah, you know, we, we had a big game last year at the end of the season against Alcorn at that uh, – you know, we scored on last play, but my receiver stepped out, and, uh, you know, they beat us by six. So, if he catches that ball, we tied up, kicked the extra point. We win the game, win the championship. So, these guys, you're right. They, they played in big games before. They played in the Classic uh, in front of 65,000 people and uh, another 30,000 outside and all the hoopla and everything that goes along with national TV. So, our guys played and been in this environment uh, before. I mean, even the Sacramento State game, you know, it was a big game. Uh, uh, playing a MEAC opponent like Buddy Pugh and on TV, on the road, the first game of the season. So, yeah, I guys have played in big games before. Uh, and, you know, this this won't overwhelm them. Yeah. Yeah, of course, that Magic City Classic is huge. Your thoughts on Jackson State, some of the, you know, some of what challenges Jackson State may present? Uh, well, they're going to play hard. You know, they got, a, they got some good players over there. They got some good coaches, and uh, they got a good scheme, you know, uh, they uh, just haven't been consistent as as they want to be, but uh, of course I I don't know I I seen something that said they they might change quarterbacks, you know. But you know Jones posed a threat with his dual threat ability to uh, beat you with his arm and his legs. He's probably the fastest quarterback in the league from what I've seen on film and just watching them on TV. Uh, uh, then they got a good running back. I think he leads the conference in rushing. Uh, I know he got dinged up a little bit last week, so I don't know how much he's gonna play this week. Uh, defensively, they got defense player of the year back at linebacker. They signed another uh, FBS linebacker, and they got a cornerback that's a that uh, coach thinks is a uh, NFL prospect, and and they got some D linemen over there. So we're gonna have a hands full. You know, them guys gonna fly around there, hit you. We seen them on tape hitting people, and you know we gotta be ready to execute and play at a high level for sixty minutes. Yeah, to your point about the quarterbacks. I mean, do you, you we we know what Jalen Jones can do he's played the all all season you know Quincy Casey has come up in spot duty I mean are you are you I guess you're preparing for both quarterbacks yeah you kind of got to you know we, we really gonna just prepare for their offense what we've seen on film so far this year um you know you you can't really switch up your offense that drastic um and I think they I think Quincy and and Jones are both for similar quarterbacks uh both of them are dual threat so I'm pretty sure they're gonna probably run the same thing they've been running. Uh, they're just gonna run it with Quincy now. They may throw the ball a couple more times than they did in the past, uh, but I, I think it's gonna be pretty much the same same uh, game plan for those guys. And then, lastly, for Connell Maynard, the head coach at head football coach at Alabama A and M, when we appreciate the time, we know. Well, I know some of, some may not know your movie star. See, I need to get you on my podcast. There's a lot we got to talk about. The four AFL championships the great days at A&T and Winston-Salem State. But you're, you're, you're a movie star. Like, you're, you're a semi-movie star. You, you, you were, the, what, the stunt double, a double in any given Sunday, plus got some FaceTime for Jamie Foxx, right? What, what was that like? Al Pacino, what was that like? Oh, man, it was unbelievable, man. Uh, Al Pacino would uh, come out with his sports jacket on and come up under the tent and, like, and grab a ball, say, let's toss some balls, and he's standing about 10 yards apart, and, we tossed balls about about fifteen balls, and we probably did that two or three times. And he was just unbelievable, man. He was so great. Uh, I got a couple pictures with him, uh, and when everybody else was getting their pictures, I was getting mine signed. So uh, 
I, you know, because I was Jamie Double, I got to get in the tent with those guys when everybody else had to go inside. So I had a few special privileges with those guys. Uh, Jim Brown, played golf with Jim Brown. He made a 45-foot on the last hole to tie me. Uh, I thought I had him, and he made a birdie, a 45-foot on the last hole to tie me. And me and LT, we probably played 20 rounds of golf. Uh, we played the Doral Blue Monster plenty of times, and, Shoot, we would play a minimum of 36 holes, a minimum of 36, me and LT. So um, then we had Cameron Diaz and Dennis Quaig and, uh course, Jamie Fox and and uh, Bill Bellamy and, uh, you know, LL Cool J. You know, so all these guys, uh, even Ricky Waters and uh, Ricky Waters was in, in the movie also and Terrell Owens. So I got to meet all these guys, man. It was just unbelievable. They was all down to earth. They uh, all treated me like I, I was a, a real movie star, and, and everybody know I wasn't. So um, I, I, it was just an unbelievable time in my life, man. And uh, it, was, it was great being in that movie, meeting all those stars and, and just hanging out with those guys. Uh, we went to the movies, and uh, we played basketball, and it was just unbelievable. When the, we, we went in the back door of the movie theater, and when we looked out in front where they were selling popcorn and some women saw Jamie and LL. They start hollering, ah, ah, ah. It's Jamie and LL, and I was like, nope, no pictures, no pictures. No pictures. <laughs> Movie star and Alabama A&M head football coach, Connell Bader, joining us here on From the Press Box, the press row, the Bulldogs and Jackson State going to get together on Saturday in Jackson, Mississippi. Coach Maynard, always appreciate the time, man. Good luck to you and the Bulldogs. Thank you, uh, Donald. Thanks for having me, man. Anytime. Pretty cool deal with Connell Maynard getting to meet Jamie Foxx and Al Pacino and all of those actors and athletes when he was part of any given Sunday. Up next, I'm breaking down Jackson State and Alabama A&M giving my predictions. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsborough. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's, and in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. It's Donald Ware. From the press box to press row. Before we talk about the box row national game of the week, Alabama A&M and Jackson State, I want to get back to what I spoke about before with the MEAC having, still having an automatic qualifier to the FCS playoffs. Of course, the MEAC would have had to determine who that automatic qualifier would have been, both Delaware State and South Carolina State 2-1 and one on the season. But it, it, in essence, I don't like I don't really blame the schools per se. My understanding. Remember, I talked about this when the first game was postponed. Howard was unable to host South Carolina State because of whatever rule 
that the that DC, the District of Columbia, had in place. Now, now I know exactly what it was. Is that Howard? Not just Howard. Any school couldn't travel a certain amount of miles. Certainly couldn't play in South Carolina, and whatever school couldn't travel a certain amount of miles from its location to play at Howard. So, in essence, the District of Columbia or DC's COVID-19 policy has now prevented the MIAC from having an automatic qualifier in the playoffs. It goes from bad to worse with respect to the MIAC. You went from, <laughs> wow, it went from losing. Let, let's, let's just look at this, and, and I'm not trying to beat the MIAC up here, okay? But you got to look at this. It went from the MIAC really take it back to really 2007 or eight when Winston-Salem State said, you know what, uh, we're not going to be able to continue this trek into the MEAC. Uh, the Winston-Salem State was set back, had a setback, and had an extra year added to it. It was five years. You have to have five years of FCS association with a conference, and then you can move as a, as a, as into a conference and as a full member of the FCS, Winston-Salem State decided not to move forward. I think it was because one of the Olympic sports may have had some kind of minor infraction and it put an extra year on what Winston-Salem State would have to do to be able to become a full-time FCS or at that time a 1AA uh, member and an, a MEAC member. So Winston-Salem State said no thank you. But even with that, North Carolina Central joins the conference. Savannah State joins the conference. I believe both became full-time members in 2011. Okay, so the MEAC still straight, wanted to align, wanted to have a north and south division, right? Uh, Have a football championship game. That's on hold until you can find another conference member. No problem. Still got a full allotment of members. Then Hampton, in the middle of, or towards the end of the 2017 football season says, you know what? We're out. We're going to join the big South. Then A&T in 2000, the beginning of 2020 said, Oh, well, excuse me. After that Savannah state ultimately dropped out. It's last year in the conference was 2019. Then North Carolina A&T said, we're out. We're joining the big South. Then Florida A&M said in 2020 also, said, we're out, we're joining the SWAC. Bethune-Cookman followed Florida A&M, said, we're out, we're joining the SWAC. So now you're down to six schools still, even with COVID, said, we're going to do this thing, we're going to have that football championship game. Then ultimately, I think it was North, it was, uh, I think it was North Carolina Central that dropped out, then Norfolk State. Once that happened, then A&T dropped out. Then the MEAC said, you know what, we're canceling the uh, the championship game. I didn't realize that the automatic qualifier was still in place even after that. Still had the automatic qualifier. Then you have this where, you know, D, uh, Howard can't travel anywhere. Nobody can come to them. They can't stay overnight anywhere. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, I'm all for policies and COVID policies, right? I'm all for it because I think we need to mitigate the spread. We've, I think, you know, obviously a better job is being done uh, because even prior to the vaccine, people were really doing a better job 
of wearing masks and social distancing for the most part or, or physical distancing for the most part. But man, I, I mean, I mean, that's taking it a bit, you know, district of Columbia. I mean, that's taking it a bit far. I mean, that's taking it a bit far, you know, to the point now that the MEAC doesn't even have an automatic qualifier to the FCS playoffs because South Carolina state and ultimately Howard couldn't get together. Now, my understanding is they were trying to work it out where they could meet somewhere, maybe in Virginia, play the games. Ultimately, it did not work out. I feel bad really for both schools. I feel bad for the MEAC, first of all. Uh, I feel bad for South Carolina State and for Howard um, wanting, wanting to play, not being able to play because you're under a, 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 a government and in a jurisdiction that says you have certain rules you have to abide by. I'm all for, I mean, look, I'm all for mitigating the spread. Believe me. Uh, but I don't know. It's got to be some kind of some kind of exception uh, or something stipulation, something for these student athletes, for these universities to be able to do what they need to do. I, I, I mean, I, I tell you, that is I've 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 heard a lot of things with respect to sports in my time. OK. But I don't think I've heard something along those lines. Very unfortunate for the MEAC and for Howard and South Carolina State. So the Boxer Row National Game of the Week, Alabama A&M going to be at Jackson State. And you, you look at Jackson State going with a new quarterback. Quincy Casey's going to be the starting quarterback over Jalen Jones. I talked about this on the – uh, daily podcast on Wednesday. Uh, is this? I mean, is this the beginning of a situation where Jalen Jones is going to have to move on to another school? You got to feel like Shador Sanders, the uh, son of Deion Sanders, presumptive starter next year. I think you know when you look at this. I don't read too much into a benching of Jalen Jones per se, because you want to give, it's like a spring, it's like spring football where you're actually playing games. You want to give other quarterbacks an opportunity. I think Jalen Jones has done a good job. Yeah, he may not have had his best game against Southern, but overall he's done a good job, and the numbers for the most part would bear that out. You like to see his completion percentage up, but his touchdown to interception ratio is good, and he's able to, his escapability and being able to run the football is good. He hasn't gotten a whole lot in these last couple of games from the offensive line. So we're going to see what Quincy Casey can do. Jackson State still has a pretty good running game, right? If that offensive line can hold up, I mean, I think Alabama A&M's defense is solid. Um, you saw what it was able to do against South Carolina State, but we don't really know what Alabama A&M is. Not really. We know they have Armani Holloway's a stud. Um, linebacker studs up on that defensive line. I mean, we know that, but we really don't know what necessarily that Alabama A&M has, especially defensively. We can get a better projection from the offensive side of the football. Aquil Glass's numbers weren't great uh, against in the victory over South Carolina State. Four touchdowns, three interceptions, uh, completing w- way below, really, 50% 
uh, of his passes, but we know what he can do ultimately. We know what Ibrahim at the wide receiver position can do. Alabama A&M has added some studs on the offense and defensive line, uh, defense on the offense and defense uh, from a skill position perspective, one a guy. So we, from a projection standpoint and what we saw uh, from South Carolina state, we know the capabilities of Alabama A&M. The question is, can they execute the game plan and show that those capabilities and those projections are really what they are against a Jackson State team that has played now, what, two straight weeks? I believe it's two straight weeks, and I, I believe it's either four out of five or, uh, yeah, like, like four out of five or five out of six weeks, five out of six weeks. Um, and I believe this is the second straight week. So, again, you're looking at a Jackson State team that has played. The, the bad thing about Alabama A&M or what would be a downfall for the Bulldogs is that the Bulldogs have not played a football game since the beginning of March. That's a long time to be off. But I'm going to tell you what, and I talked about this a lot. When Deion Sanders became the head coach at Jackson State, a lot of people were ready, and he had all these transfers coming in and all the great recruiting class, and it was great and all of that. A lot of people were ready to crown Jackson State champs based upon what was on paper. I'm sure many others said, I know I said, you need to watch out for Alabama A&M. I said Alcorn State, obviously they opted out. I did say you need to watch out for Grambling. Grambling has struggled. I thought Prairie View A&M would be improved. You know, I said that you need to, you know, watch out obviously for Southern. And Jackson State has lost its last two football games to better football teams and, uh, and I said you need to watch out for Alabama State. I also, although I thought the Davis kid not coming back at quarterback would be a bit of a detriment, but not the sole thing that would keep Alabama State down. And you're talking about two teams that were looking to contend prior to Deion Sanders coming in uh, that uh, had something to say. Both Alabama State and Jackson State got the victories over both. Got the victories over both. So in this football game, and I and I, I picked against Jackson State the last two weeks, and I'm going to pick against Jackson State again. I think Alabama A&M is going to win this football game. Um, I think it's going to be a football game that I, I don't want to call it a high-scoring game, but I think Alabama A&M is going to put some points up on Jackson State. I think Jackson State will be able to score, you know, 10 to 14 points. Uh, I think Alabama A&M can put 35 points up on the board against Jackson State, who has struggled uh, struggled last week and then a little bit uh, struggled against Southern a couple of weeks ago. Your thoughts. You can hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two R-O-W. My time is about up. I thank you for yours. Thank you to Connell Maynard, the head football coach at Alabama A&M, for joining us on the program, to Brian Mills, prospective National Football League draftee out of North Carolina Central for also joining us on today's program. For more information on the show, great content, excellent content on the program. Our Box to Row National Player of the Week uh, as well is up. You can log on to our website, BoxToRow.com. And always remember to support those that support 
Yo, from the press box to press row is presented by DW Communications. 